Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. But actually what he's doing is playing into God's hands because in that place where you are weak, God said, I will enter in and be your strength. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. We expect, Lord, today to be fed, not by a man, but by you. Speak by your spirit. Touch every heart, every mind, every body, every soul. Touch, heal, and deliver. Feed your people this day. Give us that rhema word that would fill our hearts and cause us to be changed. In Jesus' mighty name, let every heart say amen. Amen. All right, all right, all right. Wonderful. Well, uh, let's go back to Philippians, the fourth chapter, Philippians 4. We're going to start there. And we're going to continue uh, in the subject entitled The Force of Peace. The Force of Peace, and this will actually be part number three. Part number trace, if you are Espanol. Part number three. And we're going to stay in this. We're going to stay in this flow of messages until the Lord releases us. Now, I can tell you why. I tell you some things that I, I perceive coming upon the horizon. And anytime God gives us uh, a word, especially a series of messages dealing with the same subject, hear me, especially a series of messages dealing with the same subject, over and over and over again. It is because that he wants to impart something into you. He wants to build something into you, something that is lacking, something that is missing, or he wants to improve something because something else is coming. Are you hearing? As I think back on the years past, uh, for, I'm not sure, maybe in 2007, the Lord really gave us a very long series entitled Paycheck. Or, um, fine, it was a financial message, and it went on for a very long time. And soon after that, here comes all this stuff start happen- happening in the economy. So, this is what the Lord is saying right now. I pray you hear me, because not only is he teaching us about the force of peace, we are to be a a force of peace. Are you hearing me? I thank God that you are. Praise the Lord. Because just as sure as he's saying that, the opposite, the opposite is coming. Well, the world will have an opportunity to um, have non-peace, so to speak. But as we are prepared and well secured in the Lord, we'll be able to endure and be wonderfully taken care of. I like one of the things that the Lord said through Minister Stegall on last Wednesday night as I was watching online, watching uh, online. Uh, one of the things that he said was that uh, you can't live down here without peace. And that caught my hearing. I heard the voice of the Lord. And it's so true. You can't stay down here without peace. You're going to need some peace. 
When people don't have peace, they do things. They Some will jump out of windows. They will uh, abuse themselves, alcohol and drugs. They will do other things, a lot of other things, trying to find peace. So peace is extremely important. And unless you have it, you won't be able to uh, really operate down here in this life. So we've got to have peace. Turn to your name and tell them you've got to have peace. All right, so we're going to move on. Uh, Philippians 4. Uh, Philippians 4. And uh, we're just going to really start again at verse number 4. Philippians 4, 4. And then we're going to go further. It would really be my desire to just speak. I mean, go on, man. I've seen some things. God is just filling me up, filling me up, filling me up. And I just want to run through and just show you. I mean, get to all the great parts so we can jump and shout and, and hit the ceiling and hang from the chandeliers. You know, we can and really just go with it. Just really. I mean, I've been a part of some wonderful services. Uh, you know, when there's the Lord deals with me, let me digress just for a moment. He deals with me about the message. You know, the, the Bible says that the husbandman is first partaker. So before you get it, I, I'm already experiencing it. And I was in service in my office. I'm telling you, just me and the Lord. I'm telling you, we were in service and I was jumping up and shouting as he was ministering the word of God. I came downstairs and, and Sister Taylor said, what's all that noise? What, who you, what's, what's going on? I said, I was in service. Really? She said, where? I was upstairs in my office in service. I was enjoying the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, he'll let me taste a little bit of it first. It was good. It was good. I don't know when we get to it. Praise the Lord. But there are some foundational materials that we've got to understand first before we can get to all that. So it, I'm just very excited about what the Lord Jesus is doing. All right. Philippians four, verse number four says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say what? Rejoice. rejoice. Let your moderation be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Help me read verse 7. Ready? Let's read. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Now let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah 26. Uh, we were there on last time in, in part two, but now we're going to go ahead and we touched just a little bit there in Isaiah uh, on last time. So we're going to go really go right back there and just mine all that good stuff out of Isaiah. So we're going to be here just for a little bit. Isaiah 26, Isaiah 26, and I'll just read verses one, two, Three, I'll, I'll ask you to help me read verse three, and then I'll read uh, verse number four. And we're going to stay here for a little while, and we'll see how much we can get done today. Isaiah 26, are you there? And it says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Verse two, open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth may enter in. Help me read verse three. Ready? Let's read. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. 
Verse four, trust ye in the Lord forever for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. All right. Verse three gives us a tremendous promise. And we're really going to we're going to really mine it, mine the goodness out of here, at least as much as we can see. And uh, we're going to be tremendously blessed. So please keep this verse uh, down in your notes. You're going to need to know this verse as well as the one that we just read in Philippians, the fourth chapter. You're going to need to know these scriptures as as we continue to go through life. And as uh, dangerous or uh, turbulent times come, you're going to need to know these scriptures. You're going to need to know the word of God. You're going to need to know the word of God here again. When the Lord gives us uh, a, especially a series of messages, he's given it to us to prepare us for something that is coming. Amen. Amen. Are you hearing me Amen. for something that is coming? Noah had to be faithful to prepare for what was coming. Amen. It didn't look like it for about 100 years or so, but it came. And he was so glad that he prepared. You must be prepared and understand the force of peace. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So let's look again at verse number three. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Let's look at the very first phrase there. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Let's look at the word keep. Now, the word keep here means to guard, to to watch or to watch over, to watch over. So think about it in terms of uh, someone being a watchman. OK, uh, we can say even like a bodyguard, so to speak. God said, I will keep you. I will guard you. I will watch over you. Now, here again, for God to say, I will keep you, I will guard you, I will watch over you, must mean that something else is going to try to attack you. Something else is going to threaten you. And God said, during that time, I will keep you. I will keep you. I will keep you. Now, it's not enough for us just to know what the word says, but we must appropriate that word to our lives. It's not enough just to say, well, I know the Bible says it. You must apply it to your own lives. How many of you know that uh, it, the Bible said and says that Jesus died for us and that uh, his blood washes away our sins and all those that receive him will have eternal life? Are you with me? How many people around the world have heard John three sixteen? But just because they know about it or know where it's found does not mean that they have applied it or appropriated it to their lives. Amen. How many of you knew about the scripture before you came to know the Lord? Amen. You've got to apply it to your life. You've got to take it into you. You've got to receive it. And part of receiving is understanding. You can't receive what you don't understand. You must be able to understand the word of God. It will do you no good if you don't understand it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. So we must strive to understand. Turn to your name. Tell him we must strive to understand the scripture. Must, must, must. It would do me, do you no good for me to give you a treasure map to billions of dollars in gold. And I wrote it in Swahili. No good. Or I wrote it in some other foreign language. 
It'll do you no good. You must be able to understand it. All right. All right. So it says, for thou will keep him. Here again, keep guard to watch over protect. Now, the word keep also means to restrain or to hold back. Now, I love that to restrain or to hold back. God said, I will keep him, keep you uh, in perfect peace. In other words, here again, keep means to guard. Now, I want you to watch this. Keep means to guard. Now, I took off my shoes, so don't freak out. Praise the Lord. I want to feel comfortable today. All right. You can do yours, too, if you pass that test. Are you with me? So keep means to guard. It means to watch over. It also means to restrain or hold back. God said, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. He said, I will keep him that is keep you, keep him, keep her uh, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So it is the person that God is keeping, but more particular, it is your mind that God is keeping. And how many of you know that when we go through terrible times and difficult times, it can be your mind that be the first thing that snap. People regularly uh, you lose their minds. They have mental or nervous breakdowns because they can't cope or deal with what's going on. Now, the air is fine around them. They may still have a little money or this and that. All, all other things may be going just fine. But that one area could make them go over the deep end. Yes, 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 yes. So God said, if we understand the force of peace here, the first thing he says is, I will guard you. But more in particular, I will guard or keep your mind. I'll keep your mind in perfect peace. I'll restrain your mind. Now, here again, the word keep means also means to hold back or to restrain. So why would God say I'm going to hold back or restrain your mind? Because don't we don't you know when things are happening, that mind can just run off. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So and so hasn't come on. They, they haven't come home. They should have been here by now. And there's that mind. Ooh, oh, no, they're in the hospital. They're in jail. They're hurt. They're on the side of the road. This and that. That mind goes, 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 goes. But God said, when the trouble comes, I will keep you. I will keep your mind. I will restrain you so you won't lose your, you won't lose your mind. Are you hearing me? He said, I'll restrain. I'll restrain your thinking so you won't go over that way. Now, here again, now that's part of what's called the mental breakdown. When the mind can't stop thinking about wrong things or bad things, what could happen if that happens? What are they going to think about me and this and that and the other? When you're in a moment of crisis, uh, part of the crisis is your, the way your mind thinks and uh, way it, the way it's firing. And we're thinking about all the negatives. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to have enough. And all these things are happening. It, just, it, it goes crazy. Your mind can go crazy. Making a, a mountain out of a molehill. You haven't even seen it, haven't even experienced it. No one has ever has ever even said a word to you about it. But there's your mind going, 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 going. But God said here again, if you understand the force of peace, he said, I will keep you in more particular. I will keep your what? I will keep your mind. I will guard your mind. I will restrain your mind so that you won't run off mentally. Now, that's a promise. Say, I receive that for me. Because some of us that are 
uh, that are expert worriers know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. That are expert worriers know that mine can go. But as we receive what God said and believe, believe him for it. We heard the word of salvation and then we received it. We said, yes, God, I'll believe in Jesus. I receive him as my Lord and Savior. You believed it. You received it. You began to confess it out of your mouth. So we hear, we hear and understand and believe this word. And now it's time for us to confess it out of our mouths. Lord, thank you for keeping my mind in perfect peace. Thank you for restraining my mind. Thank you for watching over my mind. Thank you for not letting me go crazy. Thank you, Lord, for not letting me lose my mind. Thank you, thank you, thank you right now that you're actively restraining me and keeping me. When all the calamity is happening all around you, you're going to need God to keep your mind. When everybody else in the family on the job, everywhere else, they're losing their minds. They're going crazy. They are some folk jump out of the windows and all these things because they can't hold it together. And the truth be told, you can't hold together either. It's God holding you together. Because there, were, uh, there are a lot of people that have a whole lot more than you do, that have, that have been to school a whole lot longer than you have, and you're able to hold it and they cannot. Because God's peace is supernatural. His peace is supernatural. It goes beyond the norm. It is beyond understanding. Are you hearing? All right. Now, we could really... Let me jump right quick. We're going to come back to this and let's go over to the book of Matthew, Matthew 28. You can hold your finger there. Hopefully we'll get back to Isaiah. But I'm, I believe I, f- I see a window to get into Matthew 8 and we're going to do that. Matthew, the eighth chapter. As we talk about this supernatural peace that keeps you in the midst of trouble. In the midst of circumstances. Okay? So you say, but Pastor, I need some money. I need to hear a message about money. Well, there's plenty of TBN and something else for you to watch. I need to hear a message about healing. There's plenty of something else for you to watch. But here is the diet that God is giving today. And if you fail to hear this, then all the money in the world can't help you. If you fail to hear it, your body can be totally fine, but your mind, you've lost your mind. What would it profit you to gain the whole world, lose your soul? Soul is made up of your mind. Are you hearing what we're saying today? Now look at um, uh, Matthew 8. We'll look at this very briefly here. Verse 23. Now you know this account. We're gonna, I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to go back, and we're going to mine out some mind out some nuggets that are here. It's going to help us understand even more the force of peace. Matthew, Matthew 8, verse 23. I'll read verse 23 through 27. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was what? Asleep. Jesus was asleep in the midst of a storm. Well, pastor, that's Jesus. You know, he's God. He can do that sort of thing. But what about me? 
But please understand that Jesus, of course, was um, all God, but yet still all man. He performed his ministry as the son of God and not rather, let me say it again, as the son of man rather and not the son of God. He died on the cross as son of God, but his ministry was of, as that of a son of man. In other words, he went through life as a spirit-filled preacher, spirit-filled believer. Are you with me? Now, why do we say that? Because if we relate to him just as God and don't see his humanity, then you won't receive him when he said the works that I do shall you do also because I go unto my father. Amen. You won't be able to comprehend that. How can I do that? He was God. Yes, he was God. But yet and still he was man, Amen. all man, all God and all man. And uh, we can follow in his footsteps, footsteps as we know what he knew and as we have the same spirit that he had. Are you with me? We've got the spirit of Christ within us. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. Hallelujah. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says, is our elder brother. He's our elder brother. He said uh, when he ascended, he said, uh, told Mary, Martha, and the, uh, the other ladies to tell the disciples. He said, tell them I'm going to my father and their father, my God and your God. All right. So he was relating that line to us. Once again, uh, saying that what I'm going to do, what I've done, you're going to do. The steps that he followed, that's where we're going to follow. You see, that's why they call us Christians, Christ-like because we would do works like Christ. Are you hearing me? So if Jesus is doing it, we that are his disciples can also do it with him. We can't do the works of Christ without Christ. That's why the Bible says again, we are in Christ. We are the body of Christ. I mean, how many ways can we say it? Are you hearing me? All right, so let's look at this. So if Jesus was able to sleep in the midst of the storm, guess what you'll be able to do too? Sleep in the midst of the storm. We're going to see this two ways here for the brief time that we have remaining. We're going to see it uh, through the life of Christ and also through the life of the disciples. But let's go ahead and finish reading. Verse 24 says again, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves, but he was what? Asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We perish. Now, we know that also in the book of, I believe, Mark or Mark fourth chapter, maybe even also in Luke, the eighth chapter, uh, the disciples in this same context, context says to the Lord, don't you care if we perish? Careth not that we perish? Why are you sleeping, Jesus, during this terrible time? Don't you care we're going to die? And in here in Matthew, the eighth chapter, they say to him, Lord, save us. We're perishing. Do something. Verse 26. And he saith unto them, why are ye so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the wind, winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Hear me. Now, does that mean we'll be able to go out to the Atlantic Ocean and speak to it right now? Well, if it's in God's divine plan, you can. Are you with me? But this is more to us speaking, uh, speaking about uh, the wind, of course, speaking about demonic powers. 
and uh, the waves of the sea speaking about people. Right. Peace be still unto the people. But he rebukes the demonic powers. Remember, the devil is the prince and power of the air. So we can quite we can see that, but we won't get into all of that. But I want you to see we're going to go further on in here. The Bible says that the disciples in verse number 27, it says they marveled at Jesus. They marveled and said, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They marvel. Why do they marvel? Because they did not expect Jesus to do this. They said, Jesus, save us. Uh, Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? They wanted him to do something, but they didn't expect him to do that. Now, a good, um, a, a good sea person or fisherman, which uh, many of them were, they knew how to endure a storm. When you're out at sea and uh, the wind is blowing, that means you pick up your rows and you try your best, pick up your oars rather, and you try your best to get back to land. You try your best to get back to land. You try your hardest to get back to land and get out of this water. Well, they had been, obviously they'd been in the boat toiling and rowing and rowing and rowing. I can see Matthew over there and Mark and John, they all rowing, rowing, rowing. The wind is blowing, it's hitting the water, it's hitting them in the face. And now the ship is full up of water and there's Jesus over there sleeping. Lord, don't you care? We're going to die. Get up, get a row, get a, get an oil. Help us out of here. Help us out. Help us out, Jesus. In other words, come on, join in in our struggle. This is the way that we see that you can deliver, help us out here by picking up that oar and helping us get out of here. Or maybe they thought that Jesus would say a quick prayer. Father, help them with more strength to their muscle this so that they may row more effectively. <laughs> Whoa, 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 whoa. No, they did not expect that Jesus would get up and speak to the wind, speak to the sea, and that it would obey him. No clue. This is out of left field altogether. They had never seen this. Where have we seen this in scripture before? Have not seen this at any time. This is the first time. How could you expect something that you don't even know about? You have no reference point about now, I want you to see something. So they were caught up in fear. And actually, this was a type of testing environment. This was a type of testing environment. As you look in verse 23, the Bible says that Jesus entered into the ship and his disciples followed him. They followed Jesus right into the midst of a storm. Just like Jesus followed the spirit of God into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Bible says that Jesus was led up of the spirit to be tempted. So this was the testing environment here. And the disciples actually were about to learn something. And let's get into this just for a moment. The disciples were actually about to learn a most valuable lesson. And I pray today that you'll, that you'll learn this lesson well. Because if you learn the lesson, you won't have to go back through it again. If you learn the lesson, you'll be able to, even if the thing happens again, you'll know how to endure it and how to get over without a problem. If you learn the experience here, the disciples were about to learn that even in their moment of weakness, 
As long as God was with them, they were actually strong. Now, this has to do with, and we alluded to it on last time, uh, in, in Isaiah. Let's flip back just for a second. Keep your finger there in Matthew 8. And actually, we're getting ready to close in just a few minutes. As so we go back to Isaiah 26, I want to show you this in both places. The Bible says that God will keep us in perfect peace. Now, the word perfect means complete. There's nothing missing. There's nothing broken. Nothing can be added to it. And nothing should be taken away. It is perfection. Perfection. I will, God said, I will keep you in a perfected state of peace whose mind is what on me, on thee? Whose mind is what? Stayed. stayed. Whose mind is stayed. Now, the word mind, uh, mind again, talks about the way we think, but not only what we think, but or it means how we think or why we think what we think. It is the total makeup of your thinking. He said, I will keep your mind the way you think, how you think, and when you think it. I will keep that. I will restrain that. And the word mind here also talks about what's called intellectual framework. I will keep the framing of your mind. I will guard the framing of your mind. Now, if we think about this in terms of building, of, as a house is about to be built, and uh, the carpenters come in and they put the studs together, and long before you see the walls, uh, you see the studs there. You see the foundation and then the studs being built up upon the wall, upon the uh, foundation. So think for a moment. Get that picture in your mind of that stick frame house. There's no walls, there's no sheetrock, no plumbing and all that, just a stick frame house. God said, I will keep the framing of your mind. I will keep your mental framework. Now, if the devil can destroy your mental framework, you're done. As a matter of fact, in the parts of our lives where we are the weakest, we are the weakest because our framework is not developed properly. Framework has to do with what we think and how we think it. And when you get into different crisis uh, situations, different moments of stress, uh, when stress is applied, in other words, when weight is applied on your framework, when you hear the creaking of the wood, that means that that part is not strong. It is not stable. And it is really the mercy of God that he shows you that that is not stable. And it's not stable because it has not been built with the proper framework. If we go into different places and we see ourselves as grasshoppers, if we see ourselves in the light of we can't do this and I can't do that, I can't succeed, I'll never get ahead, that is faulty framework, shoddy craftsmanship. So God says, now we're going to, he's going to take us through a road of discovery and he's going to move those two befores out of the way. And he's going to help you to construct on his foundation, the foundation of Christ, how to think properly in that area. Amen. So that when weight is put on you, when stress or anxiety, all that is placed on your framework, it won't buckle. Amen. Are you hearing me? Amen. 
This is why uh, when we get into those crisis situations, some of us feel like running away or crying and, and in some cases a stammer, all those things. All that actually means is that there's something in you. There's some part of your mind that is not built up correctly. There's some part of you that is not thinking correctly. That's all that it means. There's something that is missing, something that is broken. And so the Lord allows the stress to come to show you the area where you need to be fixed. Are you hearing? And so here are the disciples in this testing period. So we go back over to Matthew. You don't have to turn it, but just think about it. As we go back over there, the disciples were in the testing period. Now, God Almighty was with them. Son of God, son of man, the miracle worker was with them. Even in the time of crisis, they knew that Jesus could do something. Are you with me? But listen, it's not enough in a time of crisis just to know God is with you. You're going to have to be able to tap into the resting power of God because Jesus was at rest. You're going to have to be able to tap into it and get that power to work on your behalf. Just the knowledge of God is with you. God bless you, baby. God going to take care of you. Just that alone won't bring you the sense of perfect peace that you will need during the time of crisis. You're going to have to learn as the disciples learn how to tap into the power of God that is present with you. Now, the disciples had reached their end. There was nothing else that they could do, period. That's why they were freaking out. They said, Lord, don't you care that we are about to die? We are about to perish. Rise and save us. Rise and save us out of this predicament. Are you hearing me? And so I want you to see something here. Now, if we would turn our Bibles quickly, we're going to be out here in just a few moments. In 2 Corinthians 12... I want you to see two scriptures. You can write it or make a note of it. Second Corinthians 12 verses 8 and 10, 8, 9 and 10. And also First Peter 4 verses 13, 14 and 15. Let me give you those again. You need to know these. Second Corinthians 12 verses 8, 9 and 10. And also First Peter 4 verses 13, 14 and 15. Now. Here again, the disciples and we are about to discover that when our strength fails, then we have the possibility if we elect not to run away. The disciples and you and I will have the possibility when our strength fails. When, hear me, when your strength fails fails you'll have the possibility if you elect not to run away you'll have the possibility of receiving the incomprehensible unimaginable power of God because that's exactly what happened there on the boat they tapped into the power of God the infinite innumerable immeasurable inexhaustible power of God they tapped into another source even though their strength had failed they couldn't do anything else couldn't do anything else there was nothing they could do 
but they were able to tap into the power and presence of God. The power of God, should I say, his presence was there, but they were able to tap into it because they understood something. Same thing with the woman with the issue of blood who had endured all those things of many doctors, many physicians. She had done all that she could do, but she realized that she could learn to tap into the power of God in her situation. Same thing with the man at the pool of Bethesda who'd been there for, I think, 38 years. Laying by the poolside, he couldn't do anything. People had always gotten to the water before him. But here comes Jesus, and he was able to tap into that power of God. Are you with me? It is all throughout scripture. It is all throughout scripture. Jesus is there. The father is there. But can you tap into the source to bring about the change that you need? Are you with me? So let's look at this just, just briefly. This power, and I want you to understand something. This power, and then we're going to get Second Corinthians. This power is only revealed or released in a person's weakness. You're only going to get this when you are weak. If you think that you are strong, you will not see the power of God. Why is that? Because he will not allow you to glory in his presence. The power of God, this power that is incomprehensible, I mean, that is uh, that you can't even think that comes out of left field. You don't know how he's going to do it. This power is only revealed in your place of weakness. Now, your place of weakness is that stress point, that point that creaks in your life when weight is put on you, where you begin to buckle. There, God said that he already reserved there. It is there that I will demonstrate my power. It is there that I will show you how strong I truly am. It is there at your point of weakness. Hallelujah. Now that's good news. That's incredibly good news. So we have the potential of receiving his power and his presence if we do not run away. Now look at 2 Corinthians 12. Verse 8 says, for this thing, now here's what Paul was saying, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice that he, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect where? In weakness. Paul called it and said, most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest Sounds like Jesus on the boat, doesn't it? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. And what did Paul say here? For when I am weak, then am I what? Then am I strong? I'm telling you that whatever area the enemy has really been putting putting you down in and and whatever area that uh, when weight is applied, when stress is applied, anxiety is applied, whether it's about money or or whether it's about uh, getting up in front of people, wherever you choke and wherever your blood pressure begins to rise, it is in that area that God said, I want to show you my strength. 
When you have cut out and you can't do anything else in this area over and it comes up again and again and again and again and we've struggled against it and we've struggled against it and we've said, God, take this thing from me. God says, no, my grace is efficient. I want to show you something in this area. That area is reserved for the power and presence, the dunamis power of God. He wants to show that in you. Because when it's all said and done, you'll say, you'll testify, I know it wasn't me, it was God. Are you hearing what we're saying? Now, 1 Peter 4, verse 13 says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you'll be glad also with exceeding joy. Verse 14, if ye be reproached, if you go through a hardness or if you suffer for the name of Christ, happy are ye. What? Why? For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. God said here again, when you are about to give out, when you have really, when you have given out, when you have no strength in that area and you can confess when so-and-so comes around or when this happens or when I get into this type of situation, I have no strength. I've given out. And many times you can say, I've cried in that situation. Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Or even we would cry out, Lord, don't you care that I'm about to be embarrassed? Don't you care that I perish? I have no more strength. I can't do this. It is in that area that God wants to show you his power. In that area, he wants to show himself strong in you in that area. And actually, if you look at it, that area is actually the strongest area of your life. Because that area, in that place, God said, I will uphold you if you don't run away. Are you hearing? I'm telling you, it is in that place that we will experience God's ultimate power. And we will confess as Paul did, when I am weak, then I am strong. Then I am strong. When I feel like I'm about to lose my mind, actually, then you are strong. Are you with me? When you feel like you're about to throw in the towel, like you just want to, like you want to just give up, like it's not going anywhere, like you, like you're about to explode, like you just want to scream, like your, like your labor's in vain, or there's nothing that you can do, or what's the use? Why go any further? It is at that point that God said, hold up, baby. Let me just show you something because in that place, that place that torments you over and over and over again, that place has been marked out by God to receive his power. Now, here again, this power is only revealed in a place of weakness. It is only revealed when you realize that you can't row any further. You can't go any further. You can't do anything else. It is at that point. And, and this thing is a recurring thing. I'm not talking about something that happens every once in a while. No, this is something that is recurring and it is a point of weakness. And the enemy knows that that is a point of weakness because he sees your framework. And we're closing. He sees your framework framework. The devil is a mastermind at seeing the framework of your mind. He sees where you are weak. And so he sends the devils. He sends uh, uh, the demons. He sends 
other people around to put weight on that section of you, hoping that you will crumble, hoping that you will be destroyed. But actually what he's doing is playing into God's hands because in that place where you are weak, God said, I will enter in and be your strength. So when the enemy comes to and he corrals you in a corner and you feel like you can't go back, you can't go forward, you can't go anywhere, he's got you there and he's just pounding on you and pounding on you. Actually, he has just created his worst nightmare because God said, I'm stepping in here in that place. God said, I've showed up because you can't do it. I've showed up because you can't take it. I'm here because you need me. And it is in that place that God said, he will use you to defeat the enemy in that area. Are you with me? So the enemy has actually produced his own nightmare. He's produced his own nightmare. Because when you are weak, then I am strong. Hallelujah. When you are reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. Because the glory of God, the spirit of God, the power of God is resting on you. He's resting. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. He's with me. Hallelujah. He's with me. I'm telling you. You see, here again, Moses came to the same conclusion. That old Pharaoh said to him, I got you now, Israel. I got you now. I got you cornered by the Red Sea. You're weak and there's nothing you can do. Uh-uh. God said, uh-uh. I'll be your strength, Moses. And he knocked Pharaoh out the way. Hallelujah. It's just in tapping in to what God has. Not running away and not declaring that I am a grasshopper and there's nothing that I can do. And you leave the testing period. But no, during that time we begin to glorify the name of the Lord because there's nothing that you can do hallelujah if he leads you in an act of faith then you do what he says but hallelujah but um, if he does not lead you in an act of faith you just continue to praise him and give him glory because right then at that moment Jesus is waking up hallelujah and he's about to speak to and deal with the things that have been dealing with you hallelujah so the enemy is actually doing you a favor. Because when that weakness shows up, so does God. Some of you didn't hear that. When that weakness is revealed, so is God on your behalf. Hallelujah. So we can go around and just whine and complain. I don't have this. I can't take this. And this and that is happening. This and that is happening. What you're doing, you are aborting the test period. Stop the complaining. You're aborting the test period. Face your adversary and begin to dance in his face. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to exalt him. Begin to thank him. Because at that moment, God is working on your behalf. There are things happening in that moment that you can't even see. As the Lord Jesus speaks invisible words to a visible storm and causes change. He's sending out invisible answers to the visible problems. In doing this, you will discover the force of peace that will rock your world. But you must understand that your weakness is not, it's not a thing to be dreaded. That time of struggle, that time of suffering is not something to run away from, but something to embrace. Because in that moment, if God is nowhere else, he's right there with you. 
He is right there with you because you have come to an end and where you end, he begins. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus mighty name. We rejoice in you, Lord. We rejoice. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned. And I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org.